the line, third in the middle. Oh, it was one of the great finishes in the Cox Plate 2001, and what a spring it was for Northerly and Damien Oliver in the saddle. Uh, welcome back to a special edition of Racing Pulse. We're live from Ascot Racecourse uh, over in the West. Brittany Taylor is with me, and we're joined by the living legend himself, Fred Kersley, Hall of Famer, who, of course, was the trainer of Northerly and had a lot to do with Damien Oliver for a long time. Fred, so good to see you. It's good to be here. Do you yeah. get goosebumps when you listen to that? I know every time I listen to that replay, oh, I get goosebumps. How does it make you feel? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, there's a lot of things about it, wasn't it? It was a great run in itself, but then the interference close mm. to the, uh, the finishing post. Uh, I was unaware that there was a protest initially. Um, and the crowd weren't all that happy because the theme song that day was Sunline's Coming Home. <laughs> so we weren't all that popular. And then there was a scrimmage going to the line. I thought, help. And then they tapped me on the shoulder and said, listen, the stewards want to talk to you. There's a protest. So I had to gather myself fairly quickly. And I guess I went back some of my experience from the trolling days when I spent a fair bit of time in the stewards' room. And I thought, <laughs> You're whatever experienced. you say, you've got to be very, very careful and get it right. Because I wouldn't want to have lost the cox plate in the stewards' room and what was after the horse had done such a great job. But, you know, there was a lot of, uh, how would you say, great memories and, uh, you know, an exciting race. Some good horses, not much between them. I thought... If I counted, uh, protested against uh, Sunlight, may have got second, but protested against the winner, and that helped a little bit, as I recall. But, um, yeah, great memories. It was one of the great Cox Plates, as you mentioned, uh, the three-year-old Viscount there as well. And, and, and having Ollie on board, that's another element of his career as well. Um, you would have been fairly confident walking into any protest when Damien yeah. Oliver was on your side. <laughs> well, that's right. Damien, uh, you know, was uh, peak of his powers, I would have thought, in those days. And, um, you know, um, gave, gave the horse every chance, with, you know, despite the interference. Um, he rated the horse terrific, timed his run to perfection in the end. The horse was good enough and uh, Ollie was uh, a big help. Now, we know Ollie's been a great judge for a long time, but there were periods in his career where he wasn't that smart a judge and I believe Northerly was a case in point for, Nor for his first run in Melbourne. What's the story there? Well, I, I thought when I left Perth too that Damien was going to ride him in the Carline Stakes. But, uh, when I got there, I was informed that he'd taken the ride on over loss a horse office, a horse that had won during the week over For there. Colin Little. Must have won pretty impressively because he hopped off. And that's how Greg Charles got a start in as much as Greg straight away jumped on the phone and said, look, I'd love to ride the horse on this condition. If he ever clashes with Sunline, I want to ride Sunline because of the New Zealand connection, which he kept to his word, Greg, and rode, uh, he rode the horse beautifully. I think he won five five rides for five wins. So I know it's Damien Oliver's story, but Greg Charles played a big part with um, Nordley, as did Damien. I think they both won five times on the same horse. So, you know, Great, great days, and um, a lot of credit to Greg Charles for his ability mm. to ride the horse well. But um, Ollie, he he was very, very good. I think that he wouldn't have. He, I, don't, I think he would regret that decision. <laughs> I think he might do. <laughs> it wasn't just Northerly, it was Morasco. Ollie had a, yeah. a, an association yeah. with Morasco. Morasco was uh, probably an underrated horse, probably the fastest horse, certainly the one that, that I had ever trained. Um, he was an exciting machine in his own right. I do believe we didn't train him well. We, we 
tried to follow the northerly footsteps of getting over a bit of ground when he was a flat out sprinter and, and really, really sharp. And I think had we trained him a little bit better, he would have been even, his record would be better than this. Just on Ollie and Northerly, why didn't, why wasn't Ollie riding him when he won his second Cox Plate? He rode Fields of Omar in that race and Patrick Payne rode him. Yeah, um, he was obliged a bit for the Friedman camp in those days, Ollie, and, and he was sort of, I think the connection was well and truly there, and it's probably the way that Paddy Payne got back on, on the Northerly as well. But um, Ollie was in heavy demand in those days. Everyone wanted Ollie. When you went over to Melbourne with Nordley, how were you received? Is this, you know, any time a horse go from the West goes over to Melbourne, did they respect him from day one? Uh, no, I think you had to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I can remember one headline, though. It was the second time we back to Melbourne and we'd had a really cold winter in Perth. And I took him to Mooney Valley for a gallop and had uh, one of the New Zealand boys was there with a, a horse that wasn't all that flash, but he wanted a partner to, to gallop. And um, so they would gallop together. One much between them at the end of the gallop. Headline was next morning was, lucky they didn't roll out the red carpet for Nordley, who was beaten by a New Zealand mate. <laughs> 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 and he got up and won on the Saturday. Beautiful. That's all you needed in reply. <laughs> so there's a bit of a this and that about, you know, people coming to Melbourne and um, Melbourne people, very parochial. What are your memories of a young Ollie over here in WA? A uh, young kid playing footy. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with my kids. Oh, did he play footy with your kids? Oh, yeah, suburban football. They didn't make league or anything like that. But they were good mates and um, in the, all in that local area in those days. Um, I remember the, the family got along pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Could he kick a footy? Uh, he was all right. <laughs> he wasn't a ruckman. You know, well, no, that's right. <laughs> and, and Ollie's boy goes well at the football caper himself. So he's still stuck fat to the WA uh, teams, even though they've been going average lately, uh, the Eagles, uh, over in Melbourne. Um, did you put him on at all um, as a young jockey? Did you have much of a connection with him when you were, were training? Did I have a much connection with? A connection with Ollie when he was a young apprentice coming through the ranks. Did you oh. use him much? <clears throat> Well, he was always rated a very good rider, Ollie. Um, and his brother Jason was, I think, ahead of him there. But Ollie, the riding was on the wall. Mm. He was always going to be a good jockey. Um, and, um, you know, he got better with time. Uh, but he always had that ability. He was a natural. Uh, and I think he just got better and better as time went by. What do you remember of that Melbourne Cup in 2002. Obviously, Jason was so well-loved by the whole West Australian racing community, and I think everybody felt it. From, I mean, I was just at school at the time, and I mm. still remember the feeling amongst the community of just being one of such sadness. And then to come out on that Tuesday, I think everybody had their, their heart and their mouths wondering, you know, what could Ollie do in this Cup? What are your recollections of him passing the post first on Media Puzzle? Uh it's, there was a lot of emotion, wasn't there, mm. about that, and you know whether Ollie would be in the right um, frame of mind following that. Um, in the end, I think it was the right thing. I, I think uh, you know, as a racing family, you know, you live and die racing, mm. and, and that's a, an example of just how, how 
bad it is or good it is, mm. depends which way you want to look at it. But uh, I was pleased for Ollie that he got the job done. That was a race that I could have started in Audley and lucky mm. I didn't for Ollie because he, he might not have won. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll ask you, Britt, because you are from a, a famous racing family mm. over here in the West and as you said, you're you're only young growing up. Mm-hmm. You've known Ollie your entire life as a, as a WA hero. How, how big is he in your eyes and your... I suppose, friends that are your age involved in racing and outside of racing. Yeah, enormous. I think Damien Oliver is a name that my group of girlfriends from school don't know racing at all. And uh, I think if I said the name Damien Oliver, they would know who Ollie was. So that probably shows the cut through to more of a a mainstream audience, an everyday audience. Um, But I think, obviously, anyone that comes from Perth, we're very, very parochial and proud of anyone who goes on to have good success um, on the national stage and Ollie's always been that person from as young as I can remember it was always that you know Ollie was from from Perth and uh, I remember that that Melbourne Cup I was in at St Marie Goretti's which is just up the road my primary school and uh, we all did a sweepstakes as you did I don't know if they're allowed to do those these days in primary <laughs> school some do some don't but uh, that was one of the the great things every year the Melbourne Cup would come around and you'd do the sweepstakes and a few racing kids were in my class and we drew out our horses from the sweepstakes for that Melbourne Cup and I remember me and a couple others just screwing them up and throwing them in the bin because we said we don't care about any other horse that wins this race all we want to do is cheer for Damien mm-hmm. so um, yeah growing up you always cheered him home particularly that year obviously. How do you feel about the fact that um, Brittany was in primary school in 2002? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could wind back time. <laughs> um, word. I, oh, to be so young. Uh, Rick Mack actually touched on it. While we've got you here, it would be remiss because it is Inter-Dominion weekend mm. as well and, and you are probably more famous uh, in um, harness racing than you have been in, in the gallops to racing aficionados for what you were able to do in your career career how do you see the inner dominion at the moment fred oh it's still a great race and it always will be when you get the best horses in australasia new zealand to 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 sort of be in the inner dominion it's disappointing to me that it sort of lost its glory a little bit it used to go from state to state every year uh and it was the melbourne cup of of um harness racing (coughs) in my early days so harness racing was a struggle for me. I, um, from a, a family that were very successful, I think my uh, Frank Kersley, who won about seven or eight premierships, my dad won about four. And as a kid, uh, funny enough, in those days, your kids weren't allowed to go to the trots because that's where you could have drink, go to the bar because the pubs would shut early. Oh, six o'clock as well. Dad tells stories of sitting outside the fence selling the records on the outside and little holes in the fence to try and sneak in because kids weren't allowed. So there was no um, apprentice uh, or junior driver concessions or anything like that. So to to get going in harness racing as a young kid, I was looked on as a no-hoper. Reminded of that quite often actually and took me a long, long time to get recognised. In fact, I won for Jerry Patricevich the Pacing Cup one year, um, which was, I thought I was made, I thought I'm back, you know, I'm going to make the grade. I never won another race for 12 months. Oh, wow. Anywhere at any time. (laughs) So it took me a long time to get settled uh, or get recognised, that's actually a better word. Um, 
and as time went by I worked really hard and I had a you know a slow beginning if you like but I finished up winning the premiership 15 times and um, sort of that was great reward and very, very there was a newspaper article too written by Kenny Casellas lovely bloke Kenny who's still good mates he said oh he, he's won the premiership but he'll never be as good as his uncles or his dad <laughs> <laughs> so I had my bottom kicked plenty of times along the way yeah. um but you know I persevered you did got there in the end hey where'd the nickname Chucky come from that's a good one. Um, I'm not really sure. I'd like to say it was because I was also on the nest, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just came from somewhere, and it was very, well, commonly known as Chuck, Chuck Kersley. Yeah. yeah, we were speaking about my grandma just before, and I know any time yeah, that uh, I mention you, she goes, oh, yeah, Chucky. <laughs> you always be Mr Kersley to me. Yes, uh, true. I love it. And just on, you mentioned with Rick Mack, Pure Steel, um, you, I think, did you have two seconds in Inter-Dominion finals, was no, it? No, I, I drove him to run second. Chris Lewis won. Um, he was very new in those days. I think it was about his eighth start. Drew Barrier won in the standing start, which was a half a blue because he didn't win the start and then he was pocketed. And he was heavily backed in from about 20 or to 1 to about, I don't know, 6 to 4 or something. So... Um, Every other driver was very conscious of pure steel and I didn't get clear in the race till late. You could argue he could have won, but the stand beat him because he was he was only learning. Mm. Funny thing, he never got any closer in the, in the Inter-Dominion the rest of his career. How good was pure steel? Um, funny enough, he wasn't super quick, but he could stay. He was a good, tough stayer. But, um, you know, he was very good. In those golden era of, of harness racing, you look back on those champions, you've got, you know, your Pure Steels, your, your Poppy, your Gamalite and all of those, but we see the times they're running now, which are incredible. What's the difference, do you think, in, in the quality of the standard bred horse? It's amazing how good they are and how much they get, uh, they get better every year. For instance, my father never drove a horse that could run a mile in two minutes. Now, if you can't run well in two minutes, you don't go to a metropolitan track. Now, they're running 155s, 154s now, so the improvement over that period of time is just amazing. Now, compared to the thoroughbreds, you don't see many track records broken mm. anymore. Um, they seem to have bottomed out at, bottomed out at that level. Um, but the standard bread just gets better and better every year. So just to... It's, a, it's amazing to see it happen. You, you just watch it and see they just get better and better. Is now, it the they breeding? started off a slow base, yeah. you've got to say that. But today they're, they're elite. Yeah. What did you get more pleasure out of, training the standard breads or the thoroughbreds? Oh, both. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in horses, it's just horses and not much else. Um, it becomes your life. Um, you admire the horses. You work with them. You know, you, they're... It's a bit over the top to say they're family, but, you know, you, you treat them like that. I mean, that, that's your life, working with horses. And uh, the happiest I ever am is to go to the stables, mm. check the horses. Are they OK? Are they fed? Are they, everything all right, you know? So it's a, relaxing in a relaxation in a way until it comes to race day, and then it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Have to deal with all the people. Do you think that... The, the grounding of being 
in the harness racing industry, a, a standard bred trainer, is very helpful to move into the thoroughbreds because we've seen so, so many people make such successful transitions into the thoroughbred code after having their grounding in harness. It, with the, the paces, particularly in those early days, it was very much hands-on. You know, they, they didn't race as two-year-olds. We didn't have two-year-old racing. You had the odd two or three three-year-old races, but they were slow to learn, and today they hit the ground running. They're just born to pace now mm. and or trot mm. either way. But to, to hold that sort of speed, particularly the trotters, it's just amazing. Under pressure, they still stay on the trot. Now, if you think about any of the gallopers and you had a trotting race, they're battling it out of their mm. own way. Yeah. There's a couple, the odd one can trot faster than the others. But they all came from the interesting, I forget the name of the stallion. Is that Dali Arabian? Uh, generations back, an English horse has connected to almost every racehorse mm. in Australia, in the world. Mm. Uh, how old are you, Fred? <laughs> You're looking fit. Well, <clears throat> maybe both of my looks. I'm um, chasing down 85 That's in incredible. January. And you're still training? How many have you got in work? Uh, I've, I've cut down the team quite a bit because um, it's been hard to get good staff here in Western Australia these days. It's been really hard. Um, so it's got a little bit more difficult for me. Uh, and clearly don't have the quality of horse that I used to have. So I, I'm training about 12 horses at the minute, but I'm, I'm still out of bed at up. I was three in the morning doing my best and, um, you know, because it's my life. Yeah. Does uh, your alarm go off, or is is your body clock so no, conditioned to three thirty? Goes off about twice a year. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, you wake up, yeah. you something, and you're gone. It's just time to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Ours is a bit later than that. Yeah, <laughs> Not at 3.30, Michael. <laughs> uh, the alarm goes off. You go, what? Um, uh, mate, you're a legend. It's so good to come over here and see you. Uh, obviously a Hall of Famer, and uh, what you've been able to do for racing, um, it's going to be remembered just like what Damien Olive has been able to do. So it's it's lovely to come and have a chat to you in the week that Ollie says farewell. How will you remember Damien Oliver as a jockey? You've seen so many great riders and reinsmen over the years. Um uh, there's been a lot of very, very good riders along the way in my in my memory and, and even before that, if you like. He, you've got to say that Damon, if he's not the best, he's very nearly the best. It's hard to imagine anyone that's done a better job. He, he, the fact that he overcomes some really serious injuries mm. during that period, the longevity he's had in racing, but he's, he's come back, recovered from injury, and still good enough to go out there and play with the best. Um, and I think he's, you know, at this point in time, I hope he can enjoy his retirement. I reckon he'll go away and think, Jesus, I could have kept going. <laughs> but I think it's smart to stop. There comes a time when it's time to go. Uh, not because he can't ride, it's because he's got to look after himself. And I rate him as one of the best ever. Absolutely, as you are, Fred. You do all your form, Brett, obviously over here. Is Ollie, uh, despite the barrier, yeah. what do we do with Mutamek on uh, Saturday? He, the one thing he said before the barrier draw was just the fact that he's like, I just need a good draw. Nothing's been kind to him. Obviously, he's got to get back. Hopefully, he can do something with it. But um, I, you, you hope and pray that there could be a, a miracle. The racing gods are looking upon him. But 
Gee, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Mm. Who do you like in the race after the barrier? I think the market's got it right. I think Ripcord was a real big winner at the barrier draw, a three-year-old on the up. 1,400 metres is a, obviously a question mark, but the way he hits the line looks as though that it won't be a problem at all. Yep, I might get you uh, back for your Saturday morning tips when we do the program on Saturday, Britt, because your analysis is second to none on WA Racing. Um, great to see you out here. Thank you for your time great this morning. Great to be morning. here. Thank and, you. Uh, Fred, thank you. Thank you for having us the me. Time. I appreciate it's it very great much. to have a chat and reminisce about the good old times and also Damien Oliver. Um, 84 years of age, you're making me feel very, very <laughs> bad indeed. Uh, good to see you fighting fit. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. Gator's game plan. He'll find you all the weekend winners.